This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism, continuing on with our regular exposition of our confession. Lord's Day 7. If you'd like to read along, you can find it in the Book of Praise, and it's on page 523. Here the church confesses, are all men then saved by Christ just as they perished through Adam? No, only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised to us, or promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. And what are these articles? And then follows the Apostles' Creed, well known to us, which we uh, sang together this afternoon. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we think about faith today and what faith really is, we, we soon realize that the word faith is not something that's exclusive to the Christian church. If you ask your neighbors if they have faith, they should all reply that yes, they do, because as long as they are believing that some things they have never seen exist, they have faith. People who say they don't believe in anything are only telling you that they are unwilling to follow any particular ideology that might be out there. While at the same time, they also reveal that they do believe it's possible to not believe in anything. And further conversation will reveal that they have come to many conclusions in their lives that are based on their experience and study that have led them to believe many different theories that serve as the framework for how they live their lives. The key point to understand, and this is what we confess together then, is that not everyone who says they have faith will be saved. And it's important to make a distinction here between just believing something and believing the correct things about the reality of this world. And it's for this reason that when we talk about the unique and the distinct faith that unites all Christians together, we speak of a true faith or sometimes a saving faith or as we find in the theme of the message this afternoon, a Christian faith. This Christian faith stands out by, from all the other faith that's out there by its 
uh, origins, by its object, and by its outcome. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, Christian faith accepts the reality revealed in the Scriptures. And we'll see the origin, the object, and the outcome of Christian faith. We confess that people are only saved by Christ from the punishment they deserve for their sins if they're grafted into Christ. That language reminding us of the message this morning, but even more specifically of Romans chapter 11, speaks about how the Lord himself inserts us into Christ's body, just like a gardener might might graft a branch into the trunk of a tree. The branch cannot graft itself into the trunk, but it must be grafted by another. And so that word grafting that we use in our confession really shows us a lot about the nature of the origins of our faith. In orchards, it often happens that a farmer will take a branch from one tree and then attach or graft it onto the trunk of another tree. And so this previously disconnected branch can take root on the the trunk that it has been attached to, and then it's nourished and refreshed from the sap of the, the new tree. And so that makes it possible in orchards to have a, a red, delicious apple tree that has one branch that was grafted into it, now producing Granny Smith apples. From the same source trunk, we have different fruit because branches are grafted in. Well, when we speak about being grafted into Christ, we are saying we are like that branch, that Granny Smith apple branch that's now acted on from the outside and unified to a new source of life. And the goal of this grafting is that the branch accepts its new source of life. But in order to do that, it needs to be tied to that source in some way. And so in the same way, God wants undeserving sinners to be connected to Christ and included in all his benefits so that Christ's benefits can flow into our lives, God connects Christians to Christ by giving believers a faith which makes them want to cling to Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so that picture of grafting and that necessity of accepting the source of life, that process is something that God grants to undeserving sinners. The scriptures are very clear that this connecting instrument, this faith, it's a gift of God. It's a gift that God instills in our hearts through the preaching of the gospel. If you read a little further in Romans 10, we didn't read it together, but Romans 10 verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And God says it again very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1 again, Peter says, You have been born again through the living and enduring word of God that was preached to you. Faith 
comes from hearing the gospel message. For the Holy Spirit works together with the gospel of faith. It it, it works faith into the hearts of those who hear. Even now as we're, we're hearing that gospel being proclaimed, as we're being directed to Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is working through that message to bring faith. Faith finds its origins in God who works that faith in our hearts through the preaching of the gospel. And in order for us to accept Christ and to accept all his benefits, and we looked at that this morning when we looked at Colossians, the Holy Spirit needs to work faith in our hearts by that gospel. And when he does that, he he doesn't just provide some options. He doesn't have the, the minister go to the front and say, well, here's some options to choose. Here's you know, life with Christ, and here's another option, and, and God is now waiting for you to choose the right option. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit himself makes us want to serve God, to leave the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of light. So now when we see others that we would like to believe we understand that it is something that only the Holy Spirit can work. Faith is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We cannot change another person's hearts with our good life, our kindness, our preaching, or our teaching, but God can. God uses these means. And so we, we bring people into the sphere of Christ's work by our lives, and we trust that God will bring faith to their heart. If we were to illustrate the work of God in giving faith, we can illustrate it with that grafting illustration, we would compare faith to the, the piece of string or twine that the gardener used to tie the new branch onto the trunk of the tree so that the grafted branch itself can insert its roots into the tree to complete the connection receive the nourishing life of the trunk. The twine of faith comes from outside the branch, from God's grace. But when that gift of faith is given to someone, it serves to make a connection to Christ that brings life to a person. So that person actually begins to act according to his own will. We see that work of giving faith is an enlivening work, a quickening work work, where God brings us to life. He makes us alive in Christ so that we willingly and eagerly accept the offer of the gospel. Faith makes a connection between a person and some teaching or other being. And then it enlivens a person to walk in that that pathway because faith is the act of receiving something as true. When we receive it, we make it our own. It's something that blends with who we are. When that is Christ, the eternal King, the consequences are amazing. When God gives faith, the Christian faith that he gives makes people accept the truth revealed in the scriptures. That's usually spoken of as the object of Christian faith. Faith is the act of accepting something as true. 
Faith is the act of accepting something as true. So the question is, what do you accept as true? The object of Christian faith is a reference to what we as Christians accept as true. What is it that unites all Christians? What do we all accept as true? We confess that the true faith that the Lord gives to us accepts all that God has revealed to us in his word. This means that we believe that the Bible reveals the truth about reality and that those who believe the promises of the gospel are those who have a sure or a correct or a certain knowledge. If you believe what's in the scriptures, we could say your knowledge is sure. Your knowledge is correct. This is the truth. And accepting that is the defining mark of a Christian. Until someone receives the Bible as the truth, they cannot be said to have true faith. And when a person accepts the truth revealed in the Word of God, they are ultimately accepting many things. They're accepting that there is one eternal God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're also accepting that, that the descriptions of God himself in the Word are truthful. The descriptions of the origins and the purpose of creatures we see around us, the involvement of God in, in all of history, we accept those all as true. By accepting the Bible as the truth, this revelation concerning God and ourselves now becomes the, the lens by which we, we look at all of life. We understand the reality. God opens our eyes through his word. Faith in the truth of scripture and the sure knowledge that it provides us with about reality, it also creates a special bond between the believing person and the triune God who reveals himself in the word because God himself enters into the heart of a believer. And so within the description of the reality concerning where human beings come from, God created us. Where we are today, we are fallen into sin and we need a savior. And where we are going, which depends on how you respond to the announcement of the gospel, the scriptures also reveal promises. The promises of the triune God who is reaching down into the world in love with a revelation of salvation from judgment and reconciliation with our sovereign creator. And so faith is accepting the description and accepting the promises that God brings to us. And those promises that we accept, we confess together it. God has made it possible for everyone who accepts his word as true, for everyone who submits to him. He has promised the forgiveness of all our sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace and only for the sake of Christ's merits. The promise of the gospel that we offer, that God offers to, to all the world. The true faith given by God will make a person accept these benefits of Christ's work, no matter what else they might hear from other people. And the outcome of this faith, this connection, 
is a blessedness and a comfort that remains with us forever as we see the final point, the outcome of Christian faith. So when God works faith in our hearts, he, he directly connects our hearts to his son, Jesus Christ. You can Sometimes you even see drawings of that with, with hearts with the strings going up into heaven. There's a direct connection to the source of life, Jesus Christ, so that we become members of his body. We're able to share in everything that he has accomplished. We're, we're grafted into him by God's grace alone, and then he graciously imputes Christ's merits to our account. And so as a result of our faith, we are innocent of all transgression. We're saved from the punishment we deserve uh, for our sins. We may spend eternity in fellowship with the Lord, citizens of an eternal kingdom, using eternity to grow in our understanding and, and to praise the Lord all the more. And so the outcome of our faith that God has given us is that we may experience more and more the fullness of God's grace. We may, we may understand what it means to be loved with such a deep and eternal love, even though it's very hard for us to understand. See, there's so many lies that we hear in our lives. And the Holy Spirit helps us to to fight against the lies, lies that we often tell ourselves. The Holy Spirit fights those lies by connecting us to, to Christ, reminding us always of the, the promises. And when we lie to ourselves about reality, when we say things that the Bible doesn't teach about God, things like, well, God is irrelevant to my life, or God is not very fair, or God does not care about me. Those lies, the Bible doesn't teach any one of those, those things. Or when we, when we tell ourselves lies or we tell lies about ourselves, sometimes we think, well, I'm too sinful, or I haven't done enough, or I don't deserve God's love, he must be talking about someone else then the Holy Spirit reminds us that none of these false conclusions about God or ourselves is revealed in the Scriptures. They're things that, that we made up. They're things that, that the devil teaches to try and mislead us. And then our faith comes in. And our faith reminds us that we accept as true what God has told us in His Word. And then we look back to his word. We see again the, the triune God and all his, his love and his majesty. We see we don't have to think like that anymore. Firm confidence flows out of accepting the promises of the gospel. When your confidence starts to waver, go back to the, the fount of the truth. Go back to the word of God. Then you see it again. The outcome of our faith is a confidence that we are saved by grace, that we are loved by God, because that's what God has said, and that's what we accept as true. And so the, the reasoning of Christian faith follows a line, not a blind or a 
unreasonable faith, it's a, it's, it follows a line. We start off knowing that God's Word is true. And then we, we see that God's Word reveals that He brought salvation to undeserving sinners through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then the Bible tells me that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will be saved. And then I see that by God's grace, I believe that the Son of God has come into the world to save sinners. And I see that the faith that God has given to me unites me to Christ's saving work. And that leads me to conclude without a doubt, I am saved. I have received the promises of the gospel. And if anyone, including my own conscience, says that that's not true, they're wrong because I accept the truth of scriptures. And that's how we, each one of us as a Christian, can reason. I can see that I am saved by the evidence of God's work in my heart, which gives me the desire to confess his name, to thank him completely. We can see this evidence. Romans 10 verses 9 to 10 makes that connection very clearly. There we we read it together in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. You can have that open before you again, but you see that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Our faith in Jesus Christ gives us a personal confidence concerning our own salvation, but it also connects us to others who share in that same joy and that same comfort of the gospel as we seek to confess with our mouth together, to shine the light of the gospel in the darkness of the world we live in those who are grafted into Christ by true faith, those who have a sure knowledge about what God revealed, those who have a firm confidence that they personally share in all Christ's benefits will make that fact known with their mouth. That's how our confession about true faith leads us to the Apostles' Creed that summarizes the promises of the gospel that we have received. There's one triune God, creator, redeemer, renewer, in whom the church may live in the forgiveness of sins and in the hope of everlasting peace with God. Together with other creeds and confessions that were written down so the world might know and study and understand the Christian faith, the the mission purpose of the creed, so that people might repent from teaching falsehoods and submit to the consequences of the reality revealed in the scriptures. The creed is a beautiful expression of the glory of God that brings the church of all ages and all places in the world together. It's an expression of our unity all over the world. It's a a tool of formation. It's a, a declaration of what is true and what is false. And it is a song expressing our thanks to God for his grace to us. So our faith leads us to confess. 
publicly what we believe. And through the ages, we have before us a very well-known creed, many well-known creeds and, and confessions that we take upon our lips and we use them as songs of praise. And may the Lord be glorified as the promise of the gospel goes out from us to the ends of the earth. And all those who have been given true faith in him may be gathered into this glorious, eternal reality with God that has been revealed to us in the scripture. It's the truth. Amen.